This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson, along with Michael Remus, back at the WST Control Center for a Tuesday afternoon here in Peg City. And ooh, we got lots to get to today. Masters Week continues. We are two days away from tee-off at Augusta National. Tomorrow, we'll finalize some picks with my guy, Jeff Feinberg. But today... One of the uh, one of the most fun people we've had back on our Pemina Days history to talk golf, Mark Zacchino, the Z-Man, Golf Talk Canada, PGA Tour, Sirius XM Radio, will join us coming up at around quarter to two if you're watching live on the YouTube screen, and we'll get his thoughts on the upcoming tournament, the field, some long shots, some picks, help us out with making making our bets and making our plays before we get going on Thursday. And, of course, we've got a big win to talk about. Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press will join us coming up in just a few minutes. Let's welcome in Michael Remus from The Mothership. Remo, what is going on? How are you today, my friend? Uh, I'm feeling good. What's not to feel good about? Uh, Big Jets win. And uh, isn't there a reward for that for some of our... There is. Listeners the, and that was the Blizzard game. That was the Blizzard game. Nick, DQ, and, you know, thank all our sponsors, but I may as well start off with Nick and Nikki of the DQs, Niverville, Polo Park, DQ Northgate, and DQ St. Anne's. Nick came into the chat yesterday during the program and said, well, guys, um, you know what? Jets win tonight. We're going to do buy one, get one for 99-cent Blizzards tomorrow at DQ. Now, originally, it was just going to be St. Anne's. But considering our Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners are all over the place, and considering Nick and Nikki have four DQs, all four are all in today. So whenever you listen to the program, if you uh, if you want to get your ice cream on, get your Blizzard fix at a great deal, pop by DQ Northgate, Polo Park, Niverville, or St. Anne's. Just simply mention that you're a Winnipeg Sports Talk listener and they'll hook you up with a second Blizzard for 99 cents. Um, I got to say, very nice of Nick to do that. I know a lot of people will take him up on that, and uh, it's a great way to celebrate a very important two points for the Jets last night. Yes, uh, I was, and look, I was thinking about this today um, for the Jets. Like usually, there's something you're complaining about, something's going wrong. They got to fix this. They got to fix that. I mean, they haven't changed the lineup in weeks. Uh, they're winning the games they're supposed to. They're playing consistent hockey. And, you know, they just beat up uh, on Ottawa. I mean, severely outshot them after, you know, some great games versus Toronto. I think if you're a Jets fan, you're kind of just counting down until the trade deadline until see which uh, defenseman they can acquire. But things to be going seem to be going pretty good uh, for the Jets. All three lines, again, chipping in. That seems like a regular occurrence. Pierre-Luc Dubois <laughs> with the two goals. I don't know. I think you got to be – I think you just got to be happy and we'll wait and see uh, what moves are made Monday before the 2 p.m. deadline, 3 Eastern. Listen, I know, and I was listening to some of the post game with the IC guys and with Kenny and Rennie a little later on, as well as on OB last night. And I did notice that, you know, and listen, when you're up 4-1 and all of a sudden it gets a little tense there at the end, some people, you know, and Coach Paul Maurice was asked about that, you know, did the team let up in the third period? I have to admit, I actually agree with the coach. Um, you know, he said he didn't, he did not feel that. And listen, anyone that's followed this team for a long time, especially going back 
to Jets 1.0 knows a three-goal lead halfway through the third period against the Ottawa Senators is not necessarily a done deal. And this goes back to the infamous peanut butter game in the Winnipeg Arena when the Ottawa Senators were believed the worst team in the league that year in their expansion year, and the Jets managed to blow a 6-3 lead in the third period, and Bob Kadelski scored an overtime, believe he had a hat trick, and all the promotional 500-milliliter bottles of uh, craft peanut butter they gave out at the beginning of the game began raining onto the ice of the arena. Is this real? Sounds like a Simpsons episode. This is dead serious. I'm dead serious. Anyone, I mean, you're a little bit young. I'm sure in the chat, anyone that was around there, we, we should do an oral history of the peanut butter game. I was actually working summers there at the time. And, you know, we've got a second. I'll tell this story. My boss, Gord Dimitru, who was the director of corporate sales, did the deal for the craft peanut butter. And, you know, it was a pretty nice, it was a nice giveaway. Everyone had them, stuck them in their bags. Well, people were so angry at, you know, the Jets blowing that lead. Um, there were like a few thousand jars of peanut butter on the ice. It was a complete disaster. What's funny about this is that Gord was going on holidays and got there for the start of the game, made sure the execution, the rollout was great, sponsors happy, everyone's got the peanut butter, leaves halfway through the game to get on a plane to go to Mexico. So he, as the guy that was the account, the, the handling the account, was not there when one of the most infamous promotional fiascos in Winnipeg Jets history happened. Uh, it ended up being a legendary story. And then there was a similar game not too long ago that happened again. But anyways, the reason I bring this up is that you would think that at that point last night when Ottawa got that third goal that people would really be tense. And I was, I was watching the game. I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit more interesting, shall we say, than 4-1 up. But like the coach said, I did not really feel like the Jets were getting hemmed in their own zone. I mean, you know, listen, you pull the goalie, you're going to get a couple opportunities. But this all goes back to even though I didn't think Connor Hellebuck had one of his best games, um, you know, with the game on the line, you know that you've got number 37 back in the net. And, uh, you know, he got the job done when he needed to at the end, as did the team. And I'll tell you what, coming off a game on Friday night against the Leafs, Reem, where I thought the Jets... Um, played very, very well, but they only scored one goal. Um, it was quite clear that the MO last night was skate fast, skate to the net, and shoot the puck. And man, did they shoot the puck. They were flirting with the potential of an all-time shot record. I believe Dennis said last night in the third period it was 49 all-time for the Winnipeg Jets, and they were right there at that number. Uh, bottom line, I think a number of the things that they wanted to maybe work on coming out of the Toronto game, they did. They got two points, and now they move back out onto the road after a strange week with two postponed games and a rescheduled game last night. Yeah, Thursday in Montreal coming up. But, I mean, you look at the Jets, and you see how much a, a bit of a drop-off there is when you go from a team like Toronto, who's currently in first, and Ottawa near the bottom. Uh, the Jets, you know, played you know v- very well. All three lines going. I mean, this cop, uh, Lowry, Appleton line, just setting career highs in uh, scoring. And then you have the second line, Dubois was saying, you know, they had some practice the other day, was able to get more used to playing with Wheeler and Stasny. I mean, his first goal, just a real nice pass from Wheeler behind the net, and Dubois finds the far corner, and then again on, on the power play. And you have, you know, we've kind of been saying, when's, you know, this guy going to get power play one time? Well, I think you've got two really strong power plays right now, and you saw that yesterday. And again, the top line, and the top line's doing what they're doing. Kyle Connor continues to lead the team in goal scoring. 
So the team, you know, hasn't suffered at all since uh, trading Line A and Rolsevic. They're they're rolling, and uh, I think you got to be happy with that. I think we do have to give shout out to Anton Forsberg. We there was no tribute to him, but he did pay. We did the to- tribute yesterday. We did the yeah. tribute yesterday, and you know, in some ways, he was a walking tribute to yes. his time with the Winnipeg Jets. Because he was wearing a Winnipeg Jets mask and Jets pads, gloves, and blocker yesterday in one of the more bizarre scenes that you'll ever see in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I agree. It was it was a twenty four seven tribute or a sixty minute tribute, as he you don't <laughs> see that too often, where a guy you know wearing his old team's gear against that team. So uh, he was awesome, and he's been great for Ottawa. He's been stabilizing for them in goal, where they haven't really got goaltending this year. Uh, I think he did what he could, but. I mean, you get, what, like close to 50 shots on net, you're probably uh, going to win the game. So uh, full credit to him. And I know a lot of the guys, um, he seemed to make an impact when he was here. I know he didn't play, but he practiced a lot. He was with the team for two months, got to know some of the guys, you know, from all accounts, worked uh, really hard. But, uh, I mean, they're in a tough spot uh, being a goal, you know, being a goalie on a rebuilding team. Now, uh, Rio, I'm just checking the chat here. A.J. Stewart was at the peanut butter game. It was cra- it was for Kraft. I'll never forget how panicked the refs were getting off the ice after the final whistle. It was no doubt. I mean, it was straight up dangerous. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, well, you know, I could talk about this peanut butter game for twenty. We may do a special episode at some point when things are slow. Just thinking about great st- sports stories in Winnipeg history, the peanut butter game certainly will be right up there. But back to Dubois. Um, yeah, I, I think a really important game. And what's funny is that Maurice has been sort of preparing everybody to do another switch. I mean, he's kind of talked about it the last couple times. Well, we're going to see about this with two or three games and then potentially go back to, uh, you know, he's sort of alluded and and to Shifley Connor Wheeler. Um, So we'll see about that. But I think the bottom line is for Dubois to get a couple goals the way he did, continue to get more confidence Playing in that top six with the Winnipeg Jets, I think really puts him in a great spot. I, I'm not worried at all, and I haven't been worried about Dubois really at any point throughout this period, Reem. And as much as we've seen some glimpses of brilliance and some great plays and a couple nice goals last night, the real value of Pierre-Luc Dubois, I believe, is going to come in six weeks or so, whenever the Stanley Cup playoffs begin and you can just ask folks in Toronto who saw what he can do with that two-way game at the most important time of the year last year for the Blue Jackets against Toronto. And who knows, he might have the opportunity to do it again. Yeah, I kind of I agree. I mean, the playoffs in the Central, or sorry, the North Division are set. Uh, we know who it's going to be. It's going to be Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, Winnipeg. What is the order going to be? Uh, we'll have to find out. Uh, the Jets in Edmonton, you know, they're, they're tied. Toronto's just ahead. Uh, a lot of games left. And we'll kind of wait and see what happens uh, with the Canucks and those games against against them as well. But uh, Dubois, you know, acquired, I agree. Help him in the playoffs. You can be a dominant center. You know, shut down the opposition. So wait, we'll wait and see. I think, look, I think it's been tough for him getting used to it. He talked about the practice time, you know, the time off. I know he's been in the lineup a lot. But I think the more you play with the same line, you just put with Wheeler and Stasi, the more comfortable you are. And I think they're, you know, all three lines are rolling. And if it's not going to be the top line, well, it's going to be the second line or, or the third line or even the fourth line. I mean, Matthew Pro has been awesome, uh, you know, offensively in him, his limited uh, ice time this year. So I think the team's going great. They do need some help on defense. And we're, we're figuring they're going to do something. I mean, Kevin Shoveldayoff in the past has always 
made upgrades when necessary. This is a necessary time. They definitely have a shot at taking down this division title in the regular season, but also advancing uh, through in the playoffs to the semifinal because there are no conference finals this year. It's just conference final. So I think this is definitely exciting. And, you know, Marat uh, Atesh, who we always have from The Athletic on the program, he said, a tweet, you know, this is a Jets team that dominates you know, you know, teams that are worse than them. It almost reminds him of the Jets team that went to the conference final. Now, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but I, I agree. They're playing with consistency. They're winning the games they're supposed to win and beating up on teams like the Ottawa Senators. They're not giving away those games like some of the other teams in the North Division are. Well, and, and, you know, just going back to last night's game and the nerves that I think some fans were feeling, I mean, you talk about that 2017-2018 season. I think anyone that had been, you know, through the ups and downs of this club since 2011 coming back and seeing some of the calamities that had happened in the third period of games that they'd been up, I mean, that was the first time where I think the team really sort of instilled a level of confidence, first and foremost, within each other, that they were able to finish off these teams and, you know, play till the final whistle and get the results that they needed. And it felt like that last night, late in the game. Um, And it has quite a bit so far this season. Um, They've developed many of the characteristics of good teams that win the games that they're supposed to and win the games that they need to. And we certainly saw that last night. Um, Keep up the uh, the I see oh I see there's Nick in there you know speaking of which um, Nick and Nikki DQ we mentioned it already if you're just tuning in we've had a lot of people come in in the last uh, ten minutes or so live on YouTube today is the big blizzard win for the Jets as Nick proclaimed yesterday in the chat DQ Northgate Polo Park Neverville St Anne's go in today mention you're a Winnipeg Sports Talk listener buy a blizzard and get a second one for ninety nine cents. Uh, and, of course, we also want to thank Not Auto Corp for their support. Waverly and McGilvery, Not.ca. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams with a great price with the Not team? They'll help you consign your present vehicle. And, heck, as you read in the free press on the weekend with Martin Cash, for the first time maybe in Canada, if you want to go in and buy a vehicle or do a deal using Bitcoin, T Not will take that Bitcoin from you. Um, so many options to uh, make a deal work. Pop down to Not Auto Corp. Telling your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Uh, we'll touch on our other great sponsors, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake. And we will get to our cool bet picks a little bit later on. But coming off that Jet win last night against the Ottawa Senators, with lots to discuss, we welcome in Winnipeg Jet reporter for the Winnipeg Free Press, the ever-shrinking Mike McIntyre. What is up, Mike? How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, Huss. Uh, interesting you mentioned Dairy Queen. A shout-out, Dairy Queen. They've actually helped me in my fitness journey. I am in love, absolutely in love, with the Dairy Queen fudge bars. Uh, two Weight Watcher points for a fudge bar. Just two. And they're delicious. Uh, I have a bunch of them in my freezer, and uh, that's almost a nightly treat for me these days. I should also point out, Dairy Queen employs my 16-year-old daughter as well. So uh, love the DQ. Which one, Northgate? No, Henderson. Ah, Henderson. Well, I mean, we love all the DQs, but especially the Nick and Nicky ones, and I'm sure all the, uh, the the fudge bars, you can get them at all ones. Well, listen, before we get to the Jets, we may as well do this. Congratulations are in order. We saw yesterday, you tweeted out, you have now lost 100 pounds. You look amazing. Everyone is giving you props in the chat right now, Mike. Um for those of us that you are inspiring, how the heck, how long did it take and how long have you done it? And uh, man, you look great and imagine you're feeling like a million U.S. tax free. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. So the, the pandemic starts just over a year ago, right? Come off the, the road from covering the Jets. Uh, not sure how long it's going to last. And those first couple of weeks were tough. I think anybody can attest, you know, you're, you're suddenly at home. Everything's ground to a halt. So it was late last March that I decided I wanted to start trying to do a, a daily walk. And I must admit, Huss, I mean, I, I was at my heaviest. Uh, those walks, uh, I'd go a mile and I'd be absolutely gassed. I remember having to sit, you know, there was a bench kind of at the halfway point of the, the trail that I do. And I'd have to sit and, you know, catch my breath. And it, it was late in May last year. I actually did a, a, a story for the Winnipeg Free Press at the time on Kildonan Golf Course reopening. And I went out and played around. I wrote a column about it, just kind of a fun column. But, you know, it was seeing a picture of myself uh, that was shot on the golf course that day uh, was not very flattering. And when I saw that, I thought, you know what, I need to make uh, I need to make a change. Uh, I'd previously gone on Weight Watchers like 20 years ago before I got married in 2000. Lost a whole bunch of weight then. Um, so then you got married and forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so mission married. accomplished. Get Let married. her go. <laughs> Have two kids. Journalism isn't exactly uh, a profession that's necessarily catered for maybe the healthiest lifestyles at times. So, and especially being on the sports beat the last few years, I mean, late nights, late eating, lots of snacking, press box, you know, junk. Uh, so I started last June 1st, uh, just 10 months ago, uh, following the Weight Watcher program online. For those unfamiliar with it, you, you basically count all your points. They all have value. You can eat whatever you want. There's no limit. It's not a diet, per se. You just have to keep track of your points. And for somebody like me, that's always been kind of a key is just that accountability. So it was a combination of, uh, of using the app, very user-friendly Weight Watcher app, counting my daily points, following them to a T, never going over, never going under, uh, adding those daily walks, which over time, Huss, uh, have become a lot easier that one mile walk is now a four or five mile walk. And in fact, as of the last couple of weeks, it's turning into a run. I've actually uh, started running again, which is something I never thought I'd be able to do. And, you know, going back to the gym as well, I go three or four times a week, but kind of all those factors. Yeah, I hit the 100, uh, just over 100 pounds as of my weigh in on Monday uh, at the 40 week mark. So I got about 15 or 20 left to go, but uh, it's been a, it's been a, a fun journey. I've had to get a whole new wardrobe, or I'm in the pr in progress of of getting a, a whole new wardrobe because nothing fits. But it's a good problem to have. You know what? Is it ever? And uh, just seeing, you know, a ton looking good, Mike. Looking good, Mr. McIntyre. How'd you do it? Well, he just told us how he did it. Congrats, Mike, killing it right on, Mike. I mean, I think everyone is um, pretty fired up for you because you know, you know, whether it's you know talking to people um, as we do here on this program or on the radio or guest on and you know doing the work. I mean, you do have a connection with a lot of people sure. and. You know, when you have these sort of successes, it's certainly something that I think a lot of people can look to and be inspired for and hopefully move on. And I will tell you one thing, Mike, what you've put me, I don't know if you've done this before, but just knowing that you have lost 100 pounds to give yourself an idea about how far you've come, go grab 100 pounds of <laughs> weight and just right. walk around for a little bit. And it's um, it's staggering. I you know if at times I've lost some, gained some, lost some again. Never in the 100 uh, pound range, but I got to tell you, it uh, it's looking good on you. And there's a lot of people I think that are enjoying this story that uh, might nudge them closer to uh, 
maybe doing some of the things that have obviously been so beneficial for you. Yeah, and I mean, that's been honestly the the most rewarding part is sharing the story a little bit. I'm not doing it to brag at all. I mean, honestly, if, if I can do it, uh, literally anybody can do it. I'm nothing special uh, at all. Uh, and I have heard from people, uh, including a bunch of people who decided to you know, give the same program a try. I have some family and friends that have done it as well. Uh, and, and that to me is, uh, is rewarding. As for the 100 pound thing, Huss, uh, we have two rescue dogs at our house here. One of them, she's getting up in age. She's about 13 now and some mobility issues, but she clocks in at about 90 pounds. And we regularly have to, you know, help her up things. I have to help her upstairs and stuff. And so I do get a daily sense uh, whenever I, I grab hold of our, our sweet old Cassie uh, of just what I've left behind. I basically lost Cassie and a little bit more at this point. So, yeah, it's a daily reminder for sure. Oh, the bullet, the bullet. I lost 150 pounds in 10 months, but all I did was smoke cigarettes, drink coffee, walk seven blocks a day, and eat one meal a day. It wasn't healthy, but it was effective. Well, everyone's got their, everyone's got their, I think probably more doctors would recommend what Mike yeah. is doing, but whatever works, whatever works is what it is. Listen, what's working for the Winnipeg Jets is um, getting back to doing what they do so well, simple, straight-line hockey, getting pucks on net. Man, they did that last night, despite those pesky Senators making a game of it in the third period. Mike, uh, nice night for Pierre-Luc Dubois, popping a couple goals. Andrew Cobb continues to impress. And despite not a banner night for Connor Hellebuck, considering the very high bar that he has set, um, when they needed the saves in those final minutes of the third period, he was there, as was the team. I, I kind of agree with Paul Maurice. There wasn't the sort of bedlam that has sometimes taken place in that jet end. And uh, a well-earned two points, nearly a franchise high, uh, or at least Winnipeg Jets 2.0 um, high in shots on goal. Thoughts on the game overall, and uh, particularly the performance of Dubois still playing with Blake Wheeler. Yeah, I, I thought the Jets certainly came out like a team that had finally gotten a little bit of rest. Um, you know, it's funny to say that they played a great first period when they spent six minutes of it shorthanded, but the Jets played a great first period. I think the shots were 14-6 to six for Winnipeg, and one nothing was the score, and that's tough to do when you spend a good chunk of the period playing with one less player than your opponent. Uh, and the second period, I mean, 22-6, to 6, 3 nothing on the scoreboard, or 3-1, sorry, that was... That was the Winnipeg Jets uh, looking like a very dangerous opponent. And yes, I get that they were playing Ottawa. Ottawa is not uh, the, the free space on the bingo card that they were. Just ask the Montreal Canadiens, who I believe they've beaten like five times now. Ask the Flames. Ask the Flames, exactly. They ended their season. <laughs> they did. Uh, and, and, got a, and got a coach fired, right? So, you know... The Jets did what they needed to do, and, and you're right, Haas. I didn't get a sense that there was any panic at all. This is a Jets team, and it's not just last night. It's really the whole year. They are very comfortable in their own skin, if that makes any sense. They know who they are. They know what they are. There's a real sense of poise and calmness about this group that I think a big part of that is so much of this group has grown up together, right? They're still the core from that magical 2018 run to the Western Conference Final. And those players are now three years older and wiser. Uh, they've got the ups and downs under their belts. So this is a team that knows it's going to the playoffs. You know, I agree with Remus. Like, there's no mystery here, guys. Uh, 
you know, they, they, they won't officially punch their ticket for a couple of weeks, but make no mistake, the Jets are in the playoffs. We know the four teams, really. I don't know that it matters uh, at all whether you finish first, second, third, or fourth, really. I mean, you're going to have to beat two out of the other three teams anyways in a best of seven if you want to come out of your division. Home ice advantage, is there really an advantage? I mean, I don't know. I think you could almost make a case starting on the road maybe isn't the worst thing in a in, in a series like this. You know, you go steal a game and then you get it back. Or I just think that these last 17 games now for the Jets are all about getting their affairs in order, maximizing rest, uh, you know, finding out what, what line combos, you know, what works best, maybe working some of the kids in a little bit, giving some of your veterans some time off, like, this is a really unusual situation to be to have still a month left in the season, but you kind of know that you've already punched your ticket. And I don't want to say you can put your feet up, uh, but the Jets are in a very enviable position. And last night's game was certainly um, a barometer of, I think, some pretty good things to come for this club. I, I can tell you that, you know, speaking with a ton of fans, and this is certainly my my feeling, um, you know, I was still sort of choked at the way the last game of the season ended in 2018 when the Jets ended up missing the, well, not only the, the President's Trophy, never mind the first place in the Central Division, um, and, you know, didn't hang the banner. Normally, that's not really a big thing. This year, however... Um, to be able to hang that North Division champions banner in whatever team's building, you know, finishes first place, I think will be special. Uh, I'm sure most fans would trade that to be the last team standing when you come out of those first two rounds of the playoffs. And, you know, you sort of alluded to it. Something Paul Maurice said, I, I can't remember what game this was after, but I would imagine this was after, you know, one of these Toronto games over the course of the month of March, where he sort of said what you said. I'm not sure how important it is this year I'm not now and I was a little surprised because for a guy that speaks so much and you know likes line matching and trying to get his matchups you would think that I mean to me that's the one thing that stands out game seven um you know you'll be able to put Adam Lowry out against the guys you want and but he didn't really go that way and he did make a very good point that sometimes especially when you take out fans if you can go in on the road and get a split at minimum coming back at home you're really in a great situation so i'm i'm not sure as to how much importance paul maurice will put on finishing in that top spot whether it's even realistic in the final couple weeks of the season bottom line is right now really come monday when they figure out what the roster is see what happens we'll get to the deadline in a minute at that point it's trying to put those other pieces together and really come together peaking at the most important time of the year. That's when the games really count in the Stanley Cup playoffs. For sure. And you look at the Jets' schedule now down the stretch. We don't know, of course, what's going to happen with those two Vancouver games. Do they get tacked on to the end of the year? Do they even get made up? I mean, I don't think that's completely out of the question here. Um, You know, and then you go by point percentage or something like that. But whatever the case, you know, I thought the Jets, as I said, looked like a, a team that had finally got a little bit of rest. And I think for a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who you mentioned, Huss, it's really valuable. We heard him talk after the game last night, and we kind of forget that, number one, he's 22. Number two, he's pro- he can probably count on one hand the number of practices he's actually had with this team because of their schedule. And, you know, he's moved around. He came in at the wing and then he's back to center. He's had different line mates. 
that's a tough ask, right? In a tough league, uh, to just expect the guy to kind of be guns a blazing. Well, you know, I think Pierre Luc Dubois really benefited from the practice that they held on Sunday. And he mentioned that. I mean, just look at the, the chemistry that we saw last night. And I, I point to that first goal, you know, where Blake Wheeler finds him with a great pass and, and Dubois doesn't hesitate to pull the trigger just a couple minutes into the game. That was a big goal, not just for the Jets, but for Dubois himself. And I think that was maybe some of that practice coming to fruition. And the Jets will get a little bit more of that here in the coming weeks. And I think that's going to be very valuable especially for some of these new guys. And if they do make some ads at the deadline, trying to incorporate those guys into the system as well, they now have the benefit of time, which you know maybe wasn't on their side over the last month, month and a half. But I think they can use time now to their advantage a little bit. Well, Mike, let's move on to Monday because um, as much as the Jets will be playing before then, I think there's so much attention as to what Kevin Sheveldayoff will do what his options are right now. Mateus Ekholm, is he still even on the market with the recent hot streak that the Predators have been on that have put them into a playoff spot? Is it David Savard? We've heard Josh Manson's name about, Jamie Alexiak. Um, A common sense would dictate that the goaltending's pretty good, the forwards are pretty deep, the blue line is still the area that that could improve, but considering what we've seen, even last week, 1-1 against the Leafs, the performance last night, where are you at with how important it is for the Jets to add? How much do they need if they want to really take a legitimate run at winning this division in the playoffs and being one of the final four teams battling for the Stanley Cup? So, you know, the, the more that we've gone on here, Hassa, I'm starting to think that rather than you know swing for the fences and go for a, a home run, that Kevin Sheveldayoff may be more inclined to to, to hit a solid single or two, um, you know, by next Monday, that that it may be more depth pieces as opposed to a big star that gets brought in here. Uh, and I think, you know, Nathan Bolio obviously being lost now for the rest of the season, they've lost that depth piece as a potential option. But certainly Logan Stanley has made a compelling argument to stay in this lineup. And I do wonder if Stanley's play um, you know, has changed the mindset a little bit around here. That and, and Tucker Pullman, I would argue, Haas has been very strong the last few games. Like, just look at his usage. Paul Maurice is using him a ton. He's been up there as their minutes leader the last couple games. So, you know, I, I wonder if rather than give up big assets and, and maybe complicate the expansion draft equation, if we don't see a couple of smaller depth-type moves uh, made, that being said, if there is a big move such as uh, Matthias Ekholm, who I, I really wonder if he is available, not only does he still have another year on his contract, but as you say, Nashville's now in a playoff spot. Like, I don't know that there's urgency on the Predators at this point to make that move. David Savard, another name, of course, that gets kicked around a lot, and Columbus would appear to be in next year territory. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be interesting. And again, the value of bring of doing a trade now to me has really increased for the Jets. You know, if, if they were going into this trade deadline, still very unsure as to whether they were even going to make the playoffs. If it was a real crapshoot, a roll of the dice, and if the 14-day quarantine was still in place, if that modification hadn't been made, that's a huge risk to take, right? To give up anything of substance, to bring in a player 
who may only be able to suit up for seven or eight regular season games. And there's no guarantee that you're even getting to the playoffs. Well, now two things are clear. The Jets are going to the playoffs. They've also dropped a week of that quarantine. So they'll have the player for more. And with the Vancouver postponements, if those games get tacked on, you've now pushed a couple of games to later in the year. You potentially get a lot more bang for your buck. And so I do wonder if, if doing something bigger could be in the cards just because if you're weighing the, the risks and rewards, perhaps the rewards now uh, at least are, are on par with what the risks would be. Yeah, no, it, it is a good point. Well, and you know, you mentioned Stan Lee, and I, we've been talking about him really since this show started, but essentially about three weeks ago, Monday, I guess we had the conversation after Naples, you got hurt that, you know, I came on and said, I'm telling you right now, I don't think he's coming out of the lineup. Right. Um, and then we got on to the expansion draft talk, and then we've just seen him continually play with more confidence and better and better each each game. I, I was thinking this last night, if if there is an addition, like say they get a top-line caliber defenseman that is obviously in the lineup, I, I'm not even too sure who the first guy to go out is. I mean, it would logically say Logan Stanley would be that guy, but I, I, I mean, as I said, I mean, I've been so impressed with what he's done in the situation that he's been put into. And I think we've seen from the opportunities he's been given, now playing some penalty kill, doing yep. some more things, it's quite obviously um, had an impact on Coach Paul Maurice and the way he sees his defense right now. And I wonder if that same sort of thing is going on in the mind of Kevin Sheveldayoff. For sure. And, you know, the chances of, of this six these six defensemen remaining healthy, knock on wood if you're a Jets fan, but let's face it, I mean, injuries happen, right? So you want to have insurance policies. You don't want to just act on the mindset of what do we have today and and, and go forward thinking that that's going to be good enough to still have us playing meaningful hockey in early July. If you're the Jets and you believe you have a legitimate chance of getting out of this division, and I believe they do, um, and, and that gets you to the final four, and then you're a playoff series away from playing for the Stanley Cup. I, I think you don't even really worry so much right now about, okay, who do I take out? You just make the move, and then you let that figure itself out. Whether injury figures that out for you, or you have to pull a really effective player out of the lineup because you have too many effective players, again, pretty good problem to have. Um but for sure, I mean, a guy like Logan Stanley and what he's been able to do with the opportunity this year and what it means going forward, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I do wonder, Huss, looking even further ahead past the trade deadline to the expansion draft, do we see the Jets, you know, try what they did with Vegas and make a side deal in order to maybe protect, you know, an extra defenseman? So th th they'll only protect three but kind of like what they did with Toby Enstrom, right, where they didn't want to lose him. Uh, do they do something where they offer an incentive to not take a Logan Stanley if he's the one that gets exposed or if it's a DeMello or Morrissey? I, I don't think it's going to be one of those guys exposed. But whatever the case, um, Logan Stanley has absolutely established himself uh, as, as a legitimate NHL player. And I love what he's doing in both ends of the ice, his ability to defend the long reach, obviously, and the physicality that the nasty little element that he brings at times. And then in the offensive zone, like I love his, I love his shoot first mentality. The Jets don't have a lot of that. 
they, they can almost use more of that sometimes from their forwards, especially. But I love the fact he, he gets pucks at the net and he gets pucks on the net. And, you know, that creates chaos at times. And those are all really encouraging signs. No, there's no doubt. And I'll be honest, I'm surprised that there hasn't been one or two more tipped in this year from yeah. all those pucks. And you know what? To be honest, it's bound to happen at some point. Maybe wait uh, wait a month or two when the goals really count that much more uh, for a little bit more puck luck when it comes comes to that. All that being said, I mean, listen, I'm on record a couple weeks ago saying I don't think there's any chance that Logan Stanley's available to Seattle. And whether that's he's protected or whether that's they make a deal, I think he's a Jet next year. And I think he's a Jet for a long time, considering what we've seen from him this year. I still do wonder. I mean, listen, I really like Dylan DeMello. I think he does a lot of really good things for the Winnipeg Jets. There's not a lot of offense there, but he we've heard all the numbers about how he makes his teammates better. He is making three million bucks on a third pairing, not playing any power play time. We'll play some. Uh, we'll play some PK. Uh, you know, and I think his ceiling is pretty much established. I mean, I think this is Dylan Demello, and listen, he's a good part of a team. But I mean, if I'm Ron Francis, I mean, it's a no brainer. I'm taking the guy with a way bigger upside if it's between those two. Right. But honestly, I'm not even sure that Delmelo is a no brainer automatically. That's the guy we're taking from Winnipeg, depending on some of the other players that might be there. I, I guess the point in all of this is I don't think Stanley's going anywhere. And every single game he plays, I think that's more apparent to everyone watching. But more importantly, the people in the Jets front office, if they haven't made their mind up yet. Right, and, and you make a great point about what else could be available. If we're talking forwards and the Jets are protecting seven, you know, there's a good chance maybe Mason Appleton is 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 not protected, right? So if you're Seattle, are you taking DeMello at three million or the much younger Mason Appleton in the season he's having? Um, you know, probably you're taking Appleton, right? So it could be that you could leave a, a good defenseman like DeMello exposed and maybe you don't lose him because you've got something else tantalizing up front. But, you know, again, these are, I want to say, good problems to have because you do have a wealth of, of players. And I think for the Jets, you know, they're in win mode now, right? This is not a rebuilding team. This is a team that I think they were reloading more than rebuilding. At least that was what they were supposed to be doing. The window was kind of thrust wide open back in 2018 and sure the blue line underwent a complete overhaul but the core is still there especially up front and certainly in net the Jets have the horses to win now and so I think if you're the Jets as you approach the trade deadline as you approach really anything expansion draft and certainly the upcoming postseason uh, you got to go for it right you only get so many chances your captain Blake Wheeler is not getting any younger. Kevin Cheveldayoff has said this to me and others in the past. He made a promise to Blake Wheeler when Blake re-upped here long-term that we are going to go for it every year. We are not going to go into another rebuild. So, you know, I think that the Jets have an opportunity staring them in the face, and it's going to be fascinating uh, to see what they do between now and Monday. There's no doubt about it. And back to a point that you had made before. I mean, thinking about everything, we talk a lot about 2017, 2018, what the team achieved, what the team learned, how hard it is to win the playoffs, all right. that. And I think that is a big part of this club starting at the top of Blake Wheeler. But I also do think that the low points, and there has been a few over the course of this last season, oh. I think has, you know, in some ways created a team that is 
far more focused. I think there's less BS around the team. And I think that they are, for lack of a better term, this is a unit that from the top down is all business right now. And I think it's showing in the results so far, as well as what they're doing, working on daily, whether they're practicing or not, to try to get a little bit better each time. And if that keeps going, um, that's a very good sign for this club. But just your thoughts on what some of the downs of the last couple seasons have done to maybe galvanize this group um, as they are where they are right now in the standings. Well, let's just look at this season alone, Huss. They've, what, lost three different games this year? Like, two of them in the dying seconds. <laughs> those are those are things that could potentially break a team, right? To, and if you do that more than once, like, my goodness, what that could do to your psyche. Just look at their record following a regulation loss this season. To me, that that is the be-all, end-all. How this team has responded after a poor performance or a poor result. Because not every loss was necessarily a bad outing. Sometimes it was just bad luck or just wasn't their night. But the fact that this team has constantly found a way to rebound, you look at their record, every multi-game series that they've played against any team this year, whether that was in Toronto, whether that's these mini-series against Calgary, the Jets have a winning record in all of those. Now, will that translate to having a winning record in a best-of-seven playoff series? We don't know, but that certainly is a good trait to have, that this team doesn't get too low. They don't let you know things that might break other players, other teams kind of get to them. They just put their nose down and kind of go right back at it the next night. And more often than not, they produce a positive result. So to me, you know, you look at just last season alone and the calamity of things that went wrong, you know, starting with Bufflin and the car accident with Veselainen and, <laughs> and Niku and Jet and uh, Mason Appleton breaking his foot playing football and the Brian Little devastating injury and Mark Letestu's heart ailment. Well, and I'll say this, Mike, too. I think there was a big hangover, just like a stench of what happened at the end of the 1819 right. season with so much hope where the team was basically at the top of the league at midseason. And then whatever happened, you know, sort of spiraled um, and ended with them going out in kind of unbelievable fashion in that series against St. Louis, where they kind of picked themselves up off the mat, got right back in it. I don't want to talk about the Kevin Hayes near goal in game five, but we all we all know what that was. And, you know, know, we've seen so many times before teams that have to learn the hard way what it takes to win and some of the things that can prevent you from winning and. You know, I think this group as a whole has many of those intangibles that they've earned the hard way over the past couple seasons. And this season alone, right? Game one, Liony has a great night, but then he gets hurt and then he gets traded and Tucker Pullman gets COVID. Um, I mean, and then again, those late game losses early in the season, like all of that, you know, was was just like bug off a windshield for the Jets because it was almost like there was a sense of, Oh yeah, here we go again. Like same old, same old. But this was a team that that is prepared to to weather the various storms that will come its way. And I do think that's a trait that's going to serve them well. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they still have a Vesna winner in net. They still have. I mean, last night, what they're they're now up to six guys in double digits. But they got four other players, Huss, that are knocking on double digit goals. By the time this season is done. And this is remarkable in a 56-game year that the Jets could have 10 forwards uh, that have 10 or more goals in a certain season. That is some serious, serious depth. 
And uh, all of that should serve this team well as they head down the stretch and into what they hope will be a long playoff run. Mike, great stuff. I, you know, I was going to get into Andrew Kopp, but that would we'd go down another road. And we do have time to talk about his contract and his future going forward. Um, very quickly, the team goes to Montreal Thursday and Saturday, then to Ottawa Monday, and then back-to-back in Ottawa and Toronto next Thursday. So five games over the course of, what, eight, nine days. When do we see Laurent Brossois next? Um, you know, he obviously had a real rough outing the last time. They've gone with Connor Hellebuck over the last few games. Uh, might we see him Thursday, or could he be on the bench for another week or so till those back-to-backs next week? Yeah, I suspect he's going to be on the bench for another week till those back-to-backs, and you know, maybe he gets that second Ottawa game, and Connor Hellebuck gets the Leafs. Um, you know, usually they'd go the other way, and it'd be. Brassois playing the second of the back-to-back. I do wonder if they switch that around, uh, given who they're playing. But uh, it's interesting, too. You look at Montreal, Huss. Carey Price is now battling an injury. He got hurt late last night. Montreal's actually playing tomorrow uh, in Toronto. And word is that Jake Allen is going to make back-to-back starts. So the Jets will be rested Thursday night. And they're probably going to be facing Jake Allen, who will be playing uh, a second straight night. Uh, So I do expect if you're the Jets, you want to start a road trip off the right way. You're going to go with your best. That's Connor Hellebuck. And you're going to try and get two points against what might be a tired Montreal team to kick it off. Mike, great conversation. Thanks for doing this. Congratulations on dropping that C-note. Amazing stuff. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully, if you have time, would love to get you on early next week in and around the deadline to talk about what the Jets look like after 2 p.m. next week. Absolutely. Happy to do it, Huss. Uh, Thanks very much. And thanks for all the support, guys uh, and gals. It means a lot. Right on. Thanks a lot, Mike. And uh, there's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. A great chat on the Jets coming off that win last night against the Ottawa Senators. Um, You can give Mike props by giving us a like. If you're with us in YouTube right now, hit that thumbs up button. If you're on your phone, I think you just got to close the chat. You can do that. Really certainly helps us uh, if you can do that. Of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily brought to you by our friends at Boston Pizza Winnipeg. Call your shot right now with BP and Molson. Purchase the Pizza Pairs promo, three mini pizzas, three dips, $18.99, or any Molson product, and you'll get a chance to win. You can win instant BP gift cards. You can win a custom-made ODR for next year in your backyard or a VIP NHL experience. That's eat-in, takeout, or delivery Call a shot at Boston Pizza with Molson. And, of course, Royal Sports Spring is here. We're just about to start talking about the Masters. The weather's gorgeous outside, whether you're looking to get in shape, fitness. Uh, We've got, of course, soccer, baseball, tons of bikes coming in, Royal Sports, disc golf, skateboards. It's all there. One stop, 750 Pemina Highway, 650 Rally EK. Proud sponsors of us from day one here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Big thanks to the Hasbeaks. All right. Well, I was telling you, Breezy Bend opening a little early. Driving range is open. They're sponsoring all our golf segments. And there is no better week of the year to talk golf than when the best in the world go down Magnolia Lane to Augusta National. And maybe no better person to talk about it with than our man, the Z-Man, Mark Zakito, host of Golf Talk Canada, correspondent for PGA Tour Radio on Sirius XM. Z-Man, thanks so much for doing this. We always had so much fun talking to you back on the old station. It is a pleasure to be able to talk and see you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for the first time. What's going on? I got to congratulate you guys. 
Canadian sports community, and it speaks to what you guys were doing on the station. I mean, you guys had such a loyal following. We loved being on in Winnipeg. We had so many uh, people listen to Golf Talk Canada in Winnipeg. It was so sad, but but from one door closing, something else opens. And congratulations, really well done, guys. Well, you know, Z, I, I I do appreciate it. And you know, Gary and I were lucky. We had a bit of a background. We kind of started this sort of thing ourselves. And there's a lot of people in media, and I know you've been one that have done a number of things and sort of had it organically grow. And you know, in some ways, it was heartbreaking for a lot of people to have the station shut down in the fashion that it did with the success that we had and the following we had. But in other ways, it created an incredible opportunity. And we're trying to make the most of it. And we're enjoying the support we're getting from everybody every day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And obviously, the support we've had some of the old TSN guys like yourself coming on. And what a great time to do to, to do it right now. Let's get to it. Masters 2021 be very different than last year's with it being November. Um, just from a golf fan's perspective, in the midst of a pandemic, how excited are you about what's to come Thursday right through till a green jacket presentation on Sunday? Well, I'm thrilled because, listen, it was great to have the Masters last year. Uh, having it was better than not having it. But I, I'm gonna, I've always in my mind put an asterisk on last year's Masters. You know, there wasn't a shot on that golf course that the guys were really scared of. Uh, it was a soft, damp, very different ground conditions. It, it, you know, Dustin Johnson tied or broke nine scoring records last November. So I am thrilled that it is back in April. It's dry. It's fast. It's bouncy. It's going to look like a regular Masters. They're going to be scared of certain shots. You're going to have to have all the tools back in the bag. Uh, and we're going to have some gallery. It's going to be limited spectators. We're not going to get the roars that we had back in 2019 when Tiger was marching towards his green jacket. Certainly that that's a different level. But to have spectators back on the ground, pa- patrons on the ground, especially Sunday, when they all start to gather in those same locations with just a few groups on the golf course – it's going to mean something and it's going to feel good. It's going to feel like a master's again to a certain degree. So I couldn't be happier to have it back in April. Uh, and uh, the weather's been spectacular. Friday looks like the question mark day. But the good news is we've had nothing but dry, hot conditions for the last week in Augusta leading right into the tournament. So even if we get a bad day Thursday, uh, Friday, it's not going to change the complexion of how the golf course plays. Well, Z, looking at the uh, at the odds, and I'm just pulling up Cool Bet right here. No surprise, Dustin Johnson is the uh, he got to plan the menu for the dinner. That, I believe, <laughs> what is that fake place tonight? Um, he's nine to one. Um, your favorite? There's really a group of five, and for the first time in I can't remember the last time Rory McIlroy isn't in that group of five. It's DJ. It's Bryson DeChambeau. It's John Rahm. It's Justin Thomas. It's Jordan Spieth, not Rory McIlroy, in this group of five. We'll talk about Spieth in a minute, but starting at the top, um, there are some concerns or, I guess, questions about where DJ is with his game coming into Augusta. What are, what's your thoughts on the betting favorite, Dustin Johnson? I, I Listen, I don't like his form coming in. I'm like everybody else. But I also know that DJ keeps things very simple. There's not a lot of moving parts here with DJ. It's, he is not off the path in the wilderness like, like a Rory is. Uh, these are minor little changes, and I'm comfortable that he'll probably be part of the story. You know, is he the hands-down favorite? And, you know, I think really this year, 
all those names you mentioned, minus Rory McIlroy, you could probably put them in a basket with 10, 11, 12 names and make a case that these are the 12 guys that should win this thing. DJ is part of it. Uh, but I'm not that concerned. A lot of it's going to be with his putting. I think his ball striking is likely going to be there. He needs to start off confident with his putter Thursday morning. If he could get into this tournament without thinking about putter mechanics and just say, okay, let's just go out, go through the process, roll the rocks. We're going to make some, we're going to lose some. I think he'll be right where he needs to be. The, the, the trap with DJ is when he gets mechanical with his putting is usually when he struggles. But, hey, he's world number one for a reason. All those guys that you named are betting favorites for a reason. Uh, I don't know if he's the favorite. He's not my number one pick. But I think he belongs in the conversation with, like I say, those 8, 9, 10, 12 names that have a real good shot. So, Z, the next name is Bryson DeChambeau. And it's interesting because people say that DeChambeau, with his length, with his game, it sets up perfectly for Augusta. And yet you look at his prior visits to Augusta National, and he really hasn't been in contention for the most part. Um, Thoughts on that as well as what the hell he was doing on the driving range yesterday with that speed uh, speed show with uh, the funniest part about that was VJ Singh just sort of sitting back and, and watching. And somebody, somebody said on the Golf Channel, I think Bryson hit more balls in that one-minute clip than Freddie Couples would in an entire rain session. Um, what was going on there, and what do we take anything from that, from what we might see from the big brute on Thursday? Okay, so a couple separate uh, things here. Uh, looking at the rain session. So what he's doing there is – He's speed training to get his top number up as high as he can. That's not the golf swing he's going to go to the golf course with. That's also not the golf swing he's going to warm up and get ready to play with. What he's doing there is getting his top number up as high as he can. So if he's looking for 200 miles an hour ball speed, he's trying to get 203, 204, 205. Because when you move the ceiling up, when you gear down to 80% to go go play golf, that 80% number has come up with it. So that's what he's trying to do there. It's hard to watch. It's ugly, but there is science behind it. Okay. To the first part of your question, he is one of my guys this week. I love his chances this week because I throw out everything we've previously seen. What happened in November was the first time we really saw this version of Bryson DeChambeau go to Augusta as a favorite, as a major champion, as a guy that should contend. And I had never seen more of a self-sabotage than I've seen in quite some time to what Bryson's prep was for November. 48-inch driver? No, 45. No, back to 48. Crazy comments in the press room. I'm going to go play a par 68 this week. (laughs) I mean, he did everything he could to get in his own way, and it cost him. This time around, I don't think we see that. This time around, I think we, you know, we've got the driver we're going to use. It's in the bag. He's been playing with it for a couple of weeks. It's an almost identical version of the driver that he won his last tournament with. They've just reinforced the face a bit. He's not experimenting with different lengths. He's not talking about bizarre game plans. I think this is going to be more a Bryson DeChambeau that we saw at the Arnold Palmer Invitational that we saw last year at Wingfoot. I like his chances. If he keeps it simple and gets out of his own way, he's going to have a chance to win. Players that win well at Augusta, there's two stats that they tend to leap out of the page. You know, we I grew up as a kid watching this event, and the narrative was always, oh, whoever the best putter is going to win Augusta. 
That's a false narrative, especially in the last 15 years since they redesigned this golf course. Since they redesigned this golf course 15 years ago, the two stats that all champions do well except for one year, Patrick Reed outputted the entire field one year in the last 15 years. Other than that, strokes gained approach, great iron players, and guys that dominate par fives. You have to be nearer at the top of the list in par five scoring or you can't win at Augusta. Bryson is tied for first on the PGA Tour this year in par five scoring. That means something to me this week. Well, part of the reason, uh, you know, and the par five certainly will come into it, but the it's the strokes gained approach, it's the iron play is part of the reason that Justin Thomas is my pick to win this. And to me, I, I'm sort of surprised. I feel like you know, we're talking so much about DJ and certainly Jordan Spieth, which we'll get to in a minute. People are sort of forgetting the fact that I know he had a rough year earlier, but he was holding up a big money prize at TPC Sawgrass a few weeks ago. Um, to me, Justin Thomas is has as good of a chance to win as anybody in this field. I agree with you 100%, and I kind of put him almost in the same boat as, as Colin Morikawa. You know, because in my mind, they are the two best iron players in the world week in and week out. And now that Spieth's back in form, Spieth could go kind of throw his name in that conversation when it comes to iron play. To me, those three are hands head and shoulders above the rest when it comes to strokes gain approach, greens and regulation, greens and fringe and regulation, guys that can just really dominate a golf course with their irons. The challenge for uh, Thomas is going to be the same challenge really for Morikawa is that will the putter behave? You don't have to be the best putter in the field to win at Augusta. The stats show us that, but you got to putt well. You're not going to win at Augusta and not be a good putter or a decent putter. And what stopped Thomas at Augusta is really the putter and really the strokes gained around the green, the little soft shots, short game shots around, around the green. His record here is tremendous. He's got great finishes. He, you know, it's hard to find a bad masters for Justin Thomas, but he hasn't threatened that Sunday victory yet. We haven't seen that yet. And what's been holding him back is inside 50 yards in the putter. If that cooperates at all, look out. I think he's a great pick because from an iron perspective and all those important categories that we talk about, he is near or at the top of that list. And, uh, you're right. He's under the radar. And I don't know how a player's champion is under the radar. You know, we like the sizzle in golf, just like every other sport, right? Sex, scoring goals is sexier sexier than setting up and, and being the assist guy. And in golf, you know, being the long bomb guy and dominating par fives is uh, sexier than hitting five-yard draws with three-quarter irons. And maybe that's why he's under the radar. Yeah, and you know what? We can't overlook some of the things that have happened to him this year. I mean, a, a pretty bad gaffe on uh, on the green, PR-wise. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, a loss within the family. But I really think what happened earlier, losing some of the sponsors, sort of... I mean, first of all, I think he, you know, spent a few days looking himself in the mirror and tried to, you know, be a better person. Um, but also, I think that he's been keeping a genuinely low profile this year um, in the midst of that. And... Uh, you know, uh, we, we all saw him at TPC Sawgrass, and I'll tell you what, the profile won't be very low if he's getting a green jacket put on him by Dustin Johnson coming up. What about Spieth? If I had asked you six months ago, we'd be talking about Jordan Spieth as one of the betting favorites to go in the Masters. You would have looked at me like I'm nuts, even though he's done it before. How is he doing what he's doing? Was this just a matter of time, or has there been some significant change in his game, Mark, that has put him back into the mix for Augusta? 
you know, he's made subtle changes uh, and put in a lot of hard work uh, over a long period of time, over a year, and, and very subtle changes. But I think the thing you got to give Spieth credit for is in the modern day game, and we're seeing this with Rory McIlroy right now, in the modern day game, the instinct for most of these players is to blow it up. They change the caddy. They change the swing coach. They blow up the entire swing. They go back and try to reinvent the wheel. And many of them never come back, and many of them get lost in the wilderness. Jordan Spieth stayed on the path, stayed with the plan, kept the team together. Did he go outside and ask for more opinions, speak to Butch Harmon, etc.? Yeah, he was just seeking more information and reaching out to the network that he has because he's Jordan Spieth. But he never blew it up. And he said, I'm going to figure this out. And he did. Now, here's the thing. Jordan's one of the betting favorites because of his history on this golf course. What he did, his first three or four starts on this golf course is absolutely ridiculous. And also what he's done over the last eight weeks is incredible. Four top tens, a victory. He's blowing the field away in strokes gain approach over the last eight, nine weeks on the PGA Tour. He is so far ahead of them in strokes gained. It's ridiculous. Plus 30, plus 32, depending on when you start that measuring point from. from. But that's how good he's been with the irons. So what's changed with Jordan Speed? is the thing the things that he used to do incredible are back iron play around the greens putting all those things that he was exceptional at are back the other side of that coin is the things that he used to struggle with driver off the tee etc they're still problems they have not gone away. He won the Valero Texas Open this week with a one-dimensional driver game. He can't turn it over right to left. He can only play the fade. If he needs to hit draw, he's got to take the three-wood out of the bag. So a lot of this for Jordan Spieth is going to come down to discipline. Can he play four rounds at Augusta and be disciplined enough to not try to force the driver into shapes and shots that he's uncomfortable with and just take his medicine and play to his strengths? If he does that, I mean, look out for Jordan Spieth. Like, I really think he can play well and content. If he if he doesn't stay disciplined and tries to, you know, say, oh, I'm going to squeeze the driver in there. I'm going to turn this one over right to left, even though it's not feeling comfortable. That's when things, I think, can go sideways for Jordan Spieth. Mark Zacchino of Golf Talk Canada is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Z-Man, you know, once we get through, you know, the the, the heavy heavier favorites, I, I'm very intrigued about Brooks Kepka. Um, you know, Brooks is a guy that I've thought at some point will win. People were worried about his knee. His knee looked pretty good when he was on one knee proposing to his uh, girlfriend and fiance. And then we saw Brooks tweet out the Michael Jordan. And I took that personally on Sunday and I'm like, where can I bet on Brooks Kepka? Let's go. Um, but just, uh, I'm going to throw you some names of that mid range. Brooks. Yeah. Xander, Morikawa, Vic Hovland, and then Berger, Tony Finau, Patrick Reed. Those guys are all between 25 to 39. And I mean, Reed, a former champion at 39 to 1. Berger's been playing great. Tony Finau's Tony Finau. He just can't seem to get to the finish line. Um, Of that group, is there a player or two that intrigues you the most that you might have in a pool or a lineup? The three that pop out for me is uh, Kepka, and it's all about his health. You know, over the last five years, he's 50 shots better than anybody else in majors. 50 in, in relation to Park. I mean, it's off the charts ridiculous. Um, Patrick Reed, I also Reed, because I put him in the Kepka category, he's like, it's Eric Lindros. Don't hit him. Don't irritate him. Don't wake him up. And, and then he likely wouldn't be a factor in this game. 
Reed's the same way. Like Reed and Kepka, the minute you tell them they can't win, the minute you turn them into the bad guy, the minute you say something about them in social media, they 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 you know they they end up taking out the entire field. So those two pop out for me, and then Morikawa because Morikawa. I'm with you with the Justin Thomas. I'm looking at Justin Thomas identically to the way you look at Justin Thomas. Like, how can you ignore one of the top iron players in the game when every statistic we pull says you've got to be a great iron player to win at Augusta? Well, Morikawa is that guy. He's Justin Thomas part two. Can he make putts when he needs to the way he did at the World Golf Championship, the way he did at the PGA Championship? Is he going to be that guy with the putter? Or is he going to be the guy with the putter we saw at Sawgrass, where he should have been in the lead after 36 holes at Sawgrass? He couldn't have rolled the putt into a bathtub if he was standing three <laughs> feet in front of it. So those are the three that jump out for me as guys that wouldn't surprise me at all uh, if they were in the mix. Um, you know, once you get past four, and you know, in, history tells us that we've probably already talked about the winner. I mean, the winners often come from, you know, a top 20 player in the world, but I can't help but look at guys, you know, 44 to one. Webb Simpson, you want to talk about iron players and a guy that can roll them in, um, and a guy that I've been impressed with all season long, and albeit it was in November, and we talked about the unique circumstances, but has been sniffing around leaderboards all year long, and that's Cam Smith of Australia. Um, is there any of the players that we haven't mentioned right now? Um, Sergio Garcia's been playing not bad. He's at 64 to one. Any other guys that, you know, you're, you think that there's some real value on maybe from a betting perspective or throwing into your lineup or in a golf pool? hundred percent because listen, there is, uh, history tells us if you're not inside the top, uh, 16 players in the world, even top 20 in the world, it very rarely happens at the, at Augusta. But in pools and value plays, betting top five, betting top ten, there's a ton of value there. I love Sergio Garcia. I was going to bring up that name. Playing well, a winner on tour this season, went deep uh, at match play. I think Sergio's kind of the right frame of mind. He was irritated that he missed the Masters in November doing the testing positive for COVID. Happy to be back. Uh, You mentioned Webb Simpson. I think no-brainer there for sure. But value plays that are completely off players' uh, people's radar, Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris has done everything but win on the PGA Tour, and he's done it through sponsors' exemptions and being a top 10 machine. He had no status on the PGA Tour. He's number one on the Corn Ferry Tour. That's where he should be playing golf, yet here he is in the field in the Masters because he's worked his way into the top 50 without a victory. That's how good this guy has been playing. Now, we know first-timers at Augusta, hmm, they don't do so well. 1979, Fuzzy Zeller. That's the last time a first-timer has ever won this you know, this golf championship. So unlikely that Will Zalatoris is going to win the Masters. But based on his play and based on what he does well statistically, strokes gained approach, etc., it wouldn't surprise me if Will Zalatoris finished 7th, 10th, top 5. So from a pool perspective or value play, certainly a guy. Another one well down the list. In fact, some places you can get this guy at 140 to 1. Christian Bezatenhut leads the PGA Tour, strokes gained around the green. If you're going to miss greens at Augusta, if you're not going to be Justin Thomas, if you're not going to be Colin Morikawa, etc., you better know how to get up and down. And we've seen guys do it at Augusta before. In fact, we've seen Spieth do it. With up and downs at Augusta, and as 
he, uh, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Bazayden Hoot. I've seen a bit of him on the PGA Tour. But inside 50 yards, they tell me that he's got almost every shot in the bag. He gets up and down from everywhere. So, again, he's going to be way down in your pools. If you're in one of those pools where you got players from A column, B column, C column, et cetera, you're going to find Zalatoris and Bazayton, who down in the C and D column, you might be able to steal one there with a pick like that. Well, there might be our, that might be our cool bet line of the day here. I'm just looking it up. 199 to one right now, Z on uh, Bazayden Hoot. As we get, you know, as all the money comes in on the favorites and some of these others never drop, so that is really interesting. Z, this has been so much fun. I have a a question of a more a big picture question, yeah. and this may be like regular, like high level golfers will might think this is a dumb question, but a lot of people like me that have gone out play recreationally that have never picked up a green booklet in our lives. Um, I don't think I understand why this is a big deal that these green booklets are not being allowed. Can, can you just talk a little bit from a pro standpoint, what the benefits that they get from these booklets are and what challenges will be for players now that they're not going to be used? Guys who have been out there many, many years, uh, the green booklets tend to get bigger too because they, they compile their own notes in them as well. So a lot of these things turn into, into diaries over uh, you know, the creek pulls it this way. Don't be tricked by this. You know, what you're necessarily seeing is not exactly what's playing. In general, with the green books, though, they give an overall sketch and grade to the green at all times. So you got it down to like a square foot in the different quadrants of the greens as to this breaks left to right. This is four degrees of slope uphill. This is four nine degrees of slope downhill, wh- whatever it is. So it gives you a very uh, detailed, in-depth uh, charting uh, program, almost something like you would see in a video game. So any of your, your viewers or listeners that play like any of the major video game sports out there and can relate to that when they're playing those games and they see the putts and the dots going this way and the gray going that way. It's kind of a paper version of that, for lack of a better term. I don't like them personally. I think part of the game is being able to read greens. I also think they slow play. You know, you look like a guy like Dustin Johnson, who from tee to green is probably the fastest golfer on the PGA Tour. By the time we get to the putting surface – he goes from, you know, Mario Andretti to, you know, a guy on a tricycle in terms of speed. Okay. So I, I'm not a big fan of them. I think some guys are going to be able to adapt to this a lot better than others. Uh, certainly the Masters is about experience in general. And without a green book versus a green book, etc., experience on the putting surfaces at Augusta especially in April when they're fast and hard again, not that stuff we saw in November. I mean, experience and rounds under your belt tend to mean a lot, especially when you get to the weekend. What what brought on the change? You know, I, I don't, so they've been under fire for a while and talking about pace of play, talking about fundamentally our reading greens part of the process. Like, it doesn't make sense to me that you would allow a green book on the PGA Tour. And I love the PGA Tour. I work for the PGA Tour. I think 99.9% of the time they do things best. How they how they rules officials operate, how they manage their tournament. They've never dropped the ball over the years like we see the USGA do almost every other year at the US Open. So in general, I prefer PGA Tour running everything. But if you don't allow laser pointers like 
Bushnell laser guns and you don't allow yardage devices, then why would you allow green reading books? If, if finding your yardage and knowing how far something is, is part of the game, then isn't reading the greens part of the game without help? To me, those things go hand in hand. The Masters is, is not run or operated by the PGA Tour. It's part of the PGA Tour calendar, but like the U.S. Open and like the Open Championship, it's governed by the tournament committee of Augusta National and the Masters. Like the USGA runs the U.S. Open and RNA runs the Open Championship. So they can come up with their own decisions. So, uh, you know, there's been rumors over the years and stories over the year. You know, we've talked about the distance debate on your show before. We talked about, you know, is there a distance problem? Should we roll back the golf ball? Don't kid yourself. The tournament committee at Augusta National has gone as far, I'm sure, of having discussions of having a tournament ball at Augusta. That we're going to have one ball that's rolled back. And if you're going to play the Masters, you're all going to play the same golf ball. And guess what, guys? It doesn't go as far as the golf ball you're playing on the regular tour. So they can do what they want. There's been talk about this for a while now. Uh, some people think it's an integral integral part of the game to read the greens without help. Some people think, no, you can use the book, whatever. I don't know. It's just one of those weird little things in the game of golf. Oh, that's really interesting. Mark Zucchino is our guest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Well, Mark, uh, I know you'll be all over the Masters covering it. You guys will be very busy on TSN this week, but you will be getting out of the course. I have to ask you, I see that sweet tailor-made bag in the background. Uh, <laughs> what, what's, what's in the bag this year for the Z-Men? I got the new Sim 2 driver, and they made a left-handed forged blade for the first time ever. So I put that in the bag. I haven't played yet. I've hit balls a couple times outside. I haven't been playing. I've been working a ton. Uh, Got the shirt on. It just came from the studio because we shot our Golf Talk Canada TV preview today, which airs tomorrow. And then I'm in the studio with uh, James Duffy on the master's desk uh, from 11 a.m. till 2 o'clock every day, and we'll be going back and forth to Weeks and Dillette at Augusta, back to us in studio in Toronto. So, And then we've got wrap-up shows next week. I'm hoping to play golf, not this weekend, obviously, but the following week, get out and, and play golf for the first time and try some of my new products. So we'll see. Uh, so far, knock on wood, the Ontario government has said that golf courses are allowed to s- stay open. We're hoping that is is the play and we're all allowed to go outside if they close the golf courses i don't know if i'm gonna make it through this <laughs> oh hey you're not the only one and i'll tell you whenever we can actually travel maybe one time we'll actually get you out here to winnipeg we'll uh, get around with you at breezy bend get you a couple beers on the patio and uh, chop it up live in person I would love that. In 2019, I was on the road for 30 weeks. It was condensed last year. This year, it's looking like zero. So trust me, I get an invite to Winnipeg at any point in the summer of 2021. I'm coming. All right? Hands down. Uh, Cannot wait. Mark, uh, really appreciate your time. Cannot wait to see you and the guys uh, bring us all the action from Augusta Beating on Thursday. And, of course, tomorrow, the Golf Talk Canada preview show. Uh, You're the best, pal. Thanks for doing this. Anytime. Congratulations again. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk before the PGA. (laughs) Right on. There he is, the Z-Man himself, Mark Zucchino. You can follow him on Twitter, at Z-Man Golf. And, um, you know, that's great. I I think more, I mean, I think anyone that's listening to the show knows what a big fan I am for Mark. He's so much fun to talk golf with. And having the Z-Man in studio with Duthie, uh, and then, of course, sending it to Bob and Graham out at Augusta should be a great week on, uh, a great week on TSN. Tomorrow, for our final pre-Masters show. 
my man Feinberg will roll in. We will finish up. I sort of teed off my my big pick with Justin Thomas already, but we'll have some other picks. And tomorrow, for those of you that uh, maybe like to throw a little sprinkle down on it, um, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Winnipeg time on the Cool Bet Canada Twitter feed. I'll be live with Pat Gregoire. We'll go through some picks. We'll talk top fives, top tens and also the top Canadian. And, uh, of course, you can find out more, coolbet.com, all the lines. I'll be tweeting out the daily lines, hockey-wise, baseball, a little bit later on. But Masters numbers are all up. Top fives, top tens, top twenties up today. You want to bet Corey Connors to be the top Canadian, that's there as well. Um, so it's all there at Coolbet. And, of course, all of our golf. It's partly part of the reason why I figured we could get Z-Man out, take him out to Breezy. He'd love it. Come back every year. Um, and, of course, Breezy Bend course opening this weekend now. Apparently, they do have a waiting list for membership. If you're interested in getting involved with Breezy Bend in the future, find out more online at breezybend.ca or give them a call. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, we have just blown through the past hour. Um, just awesome golf content with Mark Zacchino. Few people better to talk about the game than the Z-Man. And then, uh, man, the shrinking man, Mike McIntyre. Uh, you know, he may be 100 pounds lighter, but um, coming with a lot of takes and a lot of great information. It's been a lot of fun so far on this program. Yeah, great talk with uh, Mike. Lots going on with the Jets, but at the same time, not a lot. I don't know. It's, it's so uh, just hard to find a lot of issues uh, with them. As far as uh, Marcos, um, you know, someone was asking in chat, who are the value plays? And there he dropped a couple, Zal Torres and Zayden Hoot. So when I put my DraftKings lineup to get to like, together or whatever else i'm gonna have to search out those guys oh and speaking of DraftKings, and again we love DraftKings. uh we've done so many DraftKings contests over the past few years uh but we are dealing with an it issue here at winnipeg sports talk many of you listening whether you're live with us on youtube or on the podcast have probably played in many of our contests before and we would set them up and you'd get an invite and you'd click on it and we'd be good i don't know what has happened with the DraftKings invites, but anytime we do contests bigger than 20, it seems like people don't get them. And Remo, I know you've been banging on their door. I, it seems yeah. crazy that this has not been fixed already, but I've made, I, there's no way we're going to just do a 20 person contest for the Masters because it would have filled up in two seconds. So I made it 40. Normally we do 50 or 75, but again, you know, we're needing to now guide people to where the contest is. If you go to my Twitter, at Hustlerama, there is a tweet from, I don't know, a few hours ago with a link that will take you into the warm-up league. When you go there, you'll see a contest already made. You can join it. Um, if you have any issues, send Remus or myself an invite. Uh, when I last looked, we were at 29 out of 40, so I think there is still a few spots. Should fill at some point today. And I am hoping, fingers crossed, that they will figure out whatever the issue is and we can get back to making some bigger contests because while the 20s are great, um, we never have a problem filling them. Those are the only ones, though, that resize. And if you go bigger and don't fill it, Reem, then we don't have a contest and nobody wants that. I have been emailing back and forth and DMing with DraftKings support, and I don't think they understand the issue. And I said, and I <laughs> they don't pointing at them. They don't understand it. And I'm going to spell it out here, and we're going to put this on a video on Twitter. So we have a private leak. When we send out, create a contest for 20 people, it sends a notification to every single person saying there is a contest. When we make a contest for more than 20 people, nobody gets the notification. Nothing happens. 
nothing happens. Just sits there and it doesn't fill and and we don't play. Yeah, and no one knows. So please, DraftKings, fix that. And on a side note, I haven't got any mobile alerts on the DraftKings app for a year. And they I've done all the stuff. It doesn't work. So they got a couple issues. Clearly, the the company's doing fine. They just saw they just bought Vison. <laughs> yeah, bought they're doing it okay. <laughs> they really don't care about our measly twenty person, forty person <laughs> contest. But come on, let's get some user experience stuff going. Uh, I I certainly agree with you on that. Okay, um, Spanish Red Eye, we're at thirty four out of forty right now. So there's six spots left in the contest. So if you want to get in, now's your time to do it. Anyone in the YouTube chat, you'll have first chance to get in there. Uh, and we will do that. Hey, Marshall Patterson is with us. What's up, boys? Day off, so get to listen, watch live. Great to have you with us. Um, David Carpenter, been watching the Feinberg vids. He's nuts in a good way. He absolutely is. Um, and he'll be he'll be all fired up. He did coin the phrase, and I couldn't have put it any better. Jordan Spieth has poured gasoline on this Masters. Uh, man, it's going to be a fun four days beginning on Thursday. We've had some great content already with Reed Fowler yesterday, Z-Man today, tomorrow. We'll finalize the card. We'll make some picks. And if you have any DraftKings or betting questions for Feinberg, you can hit uh, hit us up at uh, Sports Talk Winnipeg tomorrow or before then. We'll try and get some of the uh, some of the listener questions for Jeff. Yeah, I also want to give a shout-out to Mitch in chat. Gave us a a super chat. So thank you so much, Mitch, uh, for the super chat. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, By the way, we're still well over 200 people in the YouTube vid, and we have been all show long. Actually, we're up over 300 there for a while. Um, We've got 163 likes. So if you haven't already hit that thumbs-up button, thumb it up for us, folks. It uh, it helps up big time. And uh, rate and review if you're listening on the pods. That's another big, big help for us. Five stars, please. And... uh, Whatever, just a nice little tidbit about how you're hopefully enjoying Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah, even if you watch on the podcast, head over to our YouTube, hit the like on the video, leave a comment if you want to chirp us or uh, leave something about the Jets. We do uh, we do see all of those, so uh, we appreciate everyone's support. And uh, we have to mention, Hus, uh, I know a lot of people in chat already, after this, there are scheduling plans to get their buy one, get one for 99 cent blizzard. At, I think uh, this is going to be big. I think this might be the start of hopefully some other, um, you know, other sponsors of ours coming in and doing the old DQ Nick. If the Jets win, then this, and then the Jets come through for you, and then Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners get a, a great deal at DQ. Yeah, if you're just tuning in and you missed it earlier, DQ Nick popped in the chat yesterday, said, all right, everyone. Jets win. We're doing buy one, get one, 99-cent blizzards tomorrow. Um, so, And originally it was just going to be at St. Anne's, but everyone was fired up. I think they were hearing about it. So it's at all four, again, just the Nick and Nicky DQs, which are Niverville, Polo Park, DQ Northgate, and DQ St. Anne's. You go into any of those today and say, hey, I'm a Winnipeg Sports Talk listener. Big win for the Jets last night. You buy a Blizzard at regular price, you'll get another one for 99 cents. Oh, and I did some digging on the Kit Kat Blizzard. Remember yesterday we finished talking about Nick? Ian Mendez came in and lamented the demise of the Kit Kat Blizzard. So I said I'd put my detective hat. If there's one thing that I can... I'm not a big J journal, but when it comes to things from the world of fast food, I kind of am. And this is the, okay, this is the response. Re, what has happened to the Kit Kat Blizzard? 
It's so funny. Everyone asks about Kit Kat. We used to have it. They got rid of it a year or so ago. It wasn't a hot seller. Now everyone wants it once it's gone. Breaking news. You heard it here first on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. It's coming back this summer in a promotion. Uh, and, you know, if it goes well, maybe you can have enough Kit Kat blizzards to, to keep it on the menu full time. So we'll let Ian Mendez know. Hopefully the DQs out in Ottawa will follow suit. Uh, but yeah, you'll have to wait a little longer for the Kit Kat blizzard. But uh, whatever your favorite one is, buy one, get another one, 99 cent today at one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, Niverville, Polo Park, St. Anne's, and the flagship DQ Northgate. All right, as I mentioned, um, Breezy Bend opening up this week a little earlier. Um, doesn't look like the weather's going to be too great next week, so they're getting right after it now. And it sounds like the range has been quite busy as well, so it's certainly a great, great spot to be right now. We thank Corey and the Breezy Gang for their support. And I'll just make a note. We're going to be doing something fun with Aikens Lake Lodge later on this summer. Um, you know, with travel being so restricted right now, if you were looking for an incredible summer vacay um and you like getting out on the water um especially maybe if you're not an expert fisherman like i was the first time i went to aikens lake think about it look it up online akinslake.com um you know you drive into silver falls you fly out it's about 45 minutes you're on the water right away and you know what really separates it is the incredible hospitality of the Turen family all the great people that work there i can honestly say as someone that had never really fished before i went there for the first time left there after three days saying that was three of the most fun days of my life both in the boat and off at the camp. Um, so as I said, there's an idea for you. We will be getting out there at some point later on this summer. Uh, but yeah, Aikens Lake, A-I-K-E-N-S Lake.com. If you're talking to Pitt, tell him that uh, Huss sent you. He is one heck of a dude. And by the way, I think he just texted a little while ago, just went in supporting the sponsors over at DQ St. Anne. So we get to all of that. Now, Reem, a couple things we have to talk about before uh, the end of the program. Mm-hmm. You were wondering why Sebastian Bach was trending earlier today, former lead singer <laughs> of Skid Row. Um, and I'm like, oh, wow, is Skid Row, are they putting out a new album or something? But apparently, no, that's that's not the case. But he... He did manage to get to the trending tab on uh, on social media. I saw that uh, that he was trending Sebastian Bach, not the uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, but yes, the singer from Skid Row. And uh, I was like, oh no, did something happen to him? But uh, no, he's totally fine. It's his brother, who's now the goalie coach. Zach Burke. Ottawa Center. Yes. Uh, so. Zach Burke, he, uh, and many people might not know this, Zach Burke the brother of Sebastian Bach was a pro goalie, played for the Tampa Bay Lightning for a little bit. So, um, yeah, that that was interesting. It's always nice to see. And I have no idea what he did before. I think he probably went to Europe for a little while. I don't have the DB up in front of me. But that was kind of funny when, you know, he was drafted out of the OHL, I think relatively high, actually, like in the first few rounds, um, and did eventually make it to the National Hockey League, I believe, for a cup of coffee, played the uh, in the minors for a while. Uh, and the claim to fame, or what certainly any metalhead always said, wait a second, that was the guy that was the brother of the lead singer of Skid Row. So thanks to Zach getting a job in hockey, Sebastian Bach was relevant again for a little while and was actually trending on Twitter today. Wow, that was uh, I did, one of the things I did not expect to be talking about today when we got up, Reem. Yeah, and I saw him uh, opening for Guns N' Roses a couple times at Bell MTS Place, and he puts on an awesome show. So I, kn- I know he played here a couple years ago, hopefully... Uh, I get a chance to see him again. He's got some good songs. <laughs> no doubt it. Now, 
Um, do we want to quickly touch on the uh, the ESPN lists of the uh, of the top centers because the goldies came out today as well? Yeah, I'm always here to debate lists. I think that's what was why the show was created. So these, um, and you can check this out. And it, by the way, nice to see. You know, all it takes is signing a deal with the NHL. Now that ESPN is going to be televising games, throw up the main page this morning, and Wyshynski's piece is the number one story on ESPN. That probably had not happened since the Lightning won the Cup. You get someone wins the cup for 30 minutes, they're up on the main page, and then that's it. So, certainly things are going well for the National Hockey League, um, exposure wise with it with ESPN. Um, but, anyways, they did this is the top 10 goalies, uh, polled by NHL's executives, GMs, coaches, and players 10 of each. The number one goalie, and by one by a clear margin, was Andre Vasilevsky. And I listen. I can live with that. Um, he certainly is, you know, one or two. Um, he's the defending Stanley Cup champion. And as we've been talking about the Jets all year long, whether it's from a betting perspective, whether it's DraftKings, whether whatever, the Jets seem to be overlooked. No one's overlooking Connor Hellebuck's Vesna Trophy. Hasn't had the playoff success of Vasilevsky, but Connor Hellebuck, a clear number two. What was surprising, though, is people still kind of really relying on history for this question, Reem, because Carey Price is number three. Pretty hard to make that argument after what we've seen so far this year. I like John Gibson at four. Took a rask at five. Well, we'll see. Jacob Markstrom at six. Obviously, these people either voted in the first 10 games of the season or haven't watched the Flames this year because he has had a real rough ride since coming back from injury. And maybe the most shocking name on the entire list is Carter Hart at seven, who was just told to, you know, take a hike for a week and yeah. get his head straight after having one of the miserable seasons of a starter in recent NHL history. And sorry, these people are running NHL teams who are voting uh, either running running NHL teams, coaching the NHL or veteran players in the NHL. And they're so By the way, Robin Lehner's 8 and Mark Andre Fleury is 10. Yeah. Um I, I, I <laughs> ask anyone involved with the Golden Knights when we have a Gary back very soon. We'll ask him about the, the thoughts on this. Yeah, that's, I mean, Carey Price, you know, he's historically been very good, but I think his numbers this year will say that he may not even be the best goalie on his team, let alone the third in the league, and uh, he's injured right now. But yeah, Vasilevsky, Hellbuck, 1-2, I think you can make an argument. One has a cup, one has a Vesna. But uh, yeah, Carter Hart, not his area. Maybe this was taken at the beginning of the season, because yeah, Markstrom got off to a great start with the Flames. I don't think he's there. And if it was recent, maybe you'd put Jack Campbell, because he's been... Unbelievable. It was great again last night in a Toronto win. Now, the the centers, and I was listening to Dusty and the guys in Edmonton talk about this today. No surprise that Connor McDavid, clearly number one. Nate McKinnon, number two. Uh, Austin Matthews, number three. I you know I can I can live with all of this. Mm-hmm. That's I fine. may be surprised that Sid Sidney Crosby got number four. Um, you know, your defending Hart Trophy winner, Leon Dreisidel, in at number five. Jack Eichel, number six. Somebody voted Jack Eichel number one over everybody else. <laughs> and on. and two people left McKinnon out of the top ten. Stop. How? <laughs> Who's, these, this can't be. This Listen, can't be I people just, who work in hockey. I, I'm telling Name you. Name names. Um, uh, Bergeron, seven. Alexander Barkov at eight. He is definitely in that top ten. But again... Um, you know, he uh, seven respondents had him outside the top ten altogether. Braden Point with the Lightning, number nine. 
and Matt Barzell at number 10. Um, here, here are the honorable mentions, the guys that didn't crack the top 10. I know there's one name that I think many Jet fans are going, where the heck's Mark Shifley? Uh, we've got Ryan O'Reilly was the runner-up. Uh, then was Elias Pedersen. And then after Pedersen came a tie between Mark Shifley and Andrzej Kopitar. And uh, no Evgeny Malkin as well. Other guys that did not. Here's four players of the 30 centers in the pool. Four failed to make the top 10 on any of the 20 ballots. Bo Horvat, Tyler Seguin, Steven Stamkos, and John Tavares. So Shifley not completely forgotten, but didn't crack that top 10. And honestly, when you look at that top 10, um, I guess you could make an argument that he might crack that list, but he's in that mix, either right around 10 or in the high teens, 11, 12, along with some other pretty damn good players that we just mentioned that also didn't make the list. Yeah, that's a really good list. Malkin, he's kind of, if it's from this year, I mean, he's not had a, a great season. Stamkos, I think he's played a lot of wing this year as well, uh, playing with Braden Point, who's who's been the center, but... Um. Yeah, there, I mean, a lot of good players. You could really roll it, roll it uh, either <laughs> Mitch, way. <laughs> Mitch, ask anybody in a fantasy keeper league to rate players. You might get better response. I have a feeling none of those people are going to leave Nate McKinnon out of their top ten yeah. centers in the league. I, I almost wonder if that there's a spite thing, like someone who's just like, I'm not putting McKinnon on this list. Like, I hey, don't like him or something. I you'd have that could be the only reason why you wouldn't have him in the top ten. Uh, okay, Wrench Dozer, Line A got two points in the wingers list, um, which was out last week. Uh, he's a hard one to judge. This is a quote. He's an elite shooter. He can score from the outside, and his shot is on another level, but he doesn't do much much else. Quote. And then Dozer added, said one John Tortorella. Yeah. We, we do not, we cannot confirm that that was from John Tortorella, although... To be honest, the way things have been going lately for the Columbus Blue Jackets, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that that might be a uh, a, you know, a, a quote from Torts. Uh, Wayne Jones says McKinnon would be his number one. Um, and, you know, that was really the... I know I was in a pool this year, uh, Reem, where somebody took Nate McKinnon over Connor McDavid, and it wasn't Rick Ralph because McKinnon is from Nova Scotia. Um, although there might have been. It's weird with those maritime na- na- natives that they always seem to go back. And you know what? Hey, Manitoba people do it, Manitobans as well. Um, But I do think there was some sort of a reason not related to hockey that McKinnon went ahead of McDavid. I was more than happy to snag McDavid at number two. Um, And (laughs) Marshall, Liney is so painful to watch in Columbus. Um, We talked about that a little bit yesterday. It is... It is sad for a guy. I mean, I just think back to those first couple years, 36 goals, 44 goals, the excitement, what the team was able to do. Um, it's it really it's stunning um, that this is what's become of Patrick Line. And, and, you know, whether it happens in Columbus under a new coach, whether he goes somewhere else, I'm not sure. Um, but Reem, you just have to hope. And I think this sort of goes back to what we talked about with Mike McIntyre from a team perspective. Um you know, that was sort of the Winnipeg Jets. They had that great rise up in 2019. They had a great start to the 2019 season, mm. exactly like Line a did. And then as Line a went, the Jets did. Bottom fell out on him. Bottom fell out on the team. Last year, somewhat disappointing. And then they went their separate ways. You can only hope that, you know, these hard times and the struggles, if you're a fan of Line a, which I am, um, can help him 
become a better player and hopefully find a situation that's a little bit more like the 18, 19 year old line that we all loved seeing and bring us out of their seats here in Winnipeg, as opposed to the one right now going through unprecedented struggles in Columbus under John Tortorella. Yeah, and I, you have to wonder at the end of the season when he looks back on how things went down in Winnipeg, was asking for a trade, you know, in his best interest. Um, you know, as the centers that he had here, the players he was playing with here, yeah, he may not have been getting, you know, some of the ice time he thought, but he's still getting a lot. He was still playing with great players. He was definitely producing. I mean, sometimes I got to be careful what you wish for. And I have been thinking about how it's funny. You know, you have a guy who wanted to trade out in Evander Kane and a guy in Patrick Line. Is it a coincidence that the Jets seem to f- trade them to a worse situation than here? I mean, they're not trading them to New York. They're not trading them to Florida. They're not trading them to California. Hey, do you have that meme? Uh, do you have that I'll meme throw, you I'll, sent me? This is from, yeah, Jet-centric pulled it up. I'll pull it up. <laughs> Shout out to Jet-centric for this one. I had, had to laugh. This one, someone should tweet this, at Pekka Yelonen, who, of course, Pekka, an interesting dude covering hockey from a Finnish perspective. But we'll all remember Pekka's oh, no, sorry. not even... It was Jets not Hockey even, Forum who, t- who oh, Okay, Jets Hockey Forum tweeted it out. But Pekka always had these not even veiled shots at Brian Little, saying that well, Patrick Laine would be doing so much better um, you know, if he had a real center to put him. And I think a lot it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And you know, that goes back to some of Laine's comments about wanting to play on the top line, which I totally get. Um, but th- but this topic was put into one of the more memorable memes that, you know, and every now and then, <laughs> here it is, folks, if you're watching on the YouTube right now, the old guy looking at the other girl, the angry girlfriend is the random Columbus Blue Jacket center, the guy in the middle, Patrick Line, and the girl he's looking at is Brian Little. So well done, well done, Jets Hockey Forum, whoever made that up. Yes. Very, very well done. And um, as I said, uh, I imagine a Brian Little would probably be welcome right now in Columbus uh, because yeah. <laughs> they don't seem to have the centers. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is in Winnipeg right now. And, um, well, we know what's happening with the guy. They gave up a lot to get. And, um, yeah, you know, it sucks for the Blue Jackets fans. And it's not great for hockey. And uh, most Jet fans, I think, are a little disappointed. However, you look at what the Jets got in return last night with Pierre-Luc Dubois, and there's not a lot of Jet fans complaining about the trade, even if they were really upset that it happened. Yeah, I think you can still be upset that, that he's – you know, not with the Jets, but you can also, you know, be happy that Pierre-Luc Dubois is here. The Jets' center depth, which they've never had, is an abundance of centers. So much they're playing, you know, playing Paul Stasny on the wing. So I think for a team, you know, for a team spot, uh, it's gone great for the Jets. Kyle Connors filled in where Patrick Lining was on the power play, but on the opposite side, and he's leading the team in goals. So they, ha- you know, I think it's just helping Ealers, you know, reach uh, his potential. Kyle Connors taken a you know a step in to be the team's top scorer this year so it seems to have worked itself out and you don't have so many guys battling to be uh you know the number one scorer on the power play okay finally it was we do have to get out so we can get these pods up but mm-hmm. there was a, a topic that we touched at the end of the program yesterday mm-hmm. coming out of the weekend which dominated quite a bit of my internet searching and that was the plight of the truth himself paul pierce Yes, you remember, NBA champion, now ESPN NBA analyst, regular on the jump. And um, the truth, in case you missed it, um, decided that he was going to throw out an Instagram live feed 
of it looks like a little party that he was having. Uh, it looked like there was a bunch of exotic dancers that were there. And the truth was making a point of, you know, some incredible camera shots with twerking in the background. Um, he was smoking quite a bit of something. It looked like some expertly rolled stuff. And um, now, again, he didn't really do anything wrong uh, unless having a great weekend is a crime. Uh, however, <laughs> however, putting it on Instagram as he did, we did think that there would be some questions as to when he returned to the jump. And uh, bad news for the truth, Reem. ESPN yesterday cut all ties with Paul Pierce. And uh, I don't know, This part of me thinks this is a, br- a great overreaction. But as anyone will tell you, working for any of these big companies... Um, things that you can normally regularly do as an average Joe on your social media doesn't quite work when you're working for the worldwide leader. All that being said, I think the truth went to a 10 as far as a pop culture guy after this. And I have a feeling whether it's Barstool Sports, whether it's something he's going to do himself, the stock hasn't crashed on the truth. There's a lot of the real ones that are even bigger fans of Paul Pierce than they were before. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to get fired, if you're going to get canceled, that's a hell of a way to go out. Yeah, um, Paul Pierce just, uh, he, he posted a video of himself after. I think he had a big smile on his face. Yeah, I think he tried. <laughs> Hashtag to- smile. He just laughed. you got to have a you know, certain image when you're working for uh, uh, the worldwide leader, as you called it. So I have other other people have reached out. Uh, we'll see where he goes, but he definitely has a lot of options. And, uh, you know, may, I think I'll have to follow him on Instagram if I wasn't already now. Oh, he listened. He, uh, at Paul Pierce 34, and by far the best part of this entire ordeal. And, if I mean, some of the photos that are out, if you just put in Paul Pierce into Twitter, I mean, get ready to laugh your ass off. It is funny. Oh, it, no. It... it Absolute hilarity, but nothing beats the fact that he did this late night, had all these people talking about it once people started screen capping and tweeting what he was up to. Probably woke up like the next afternoon with a real bad hangover, who knows, still around him at the party, and just tweeted out, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and my god the responses to that tweet the responses to that tweet will be in my nominees for tweet of the year not because of the content of the tweet but everything around it and the comedy and humor that it brought us so hang in there truth there's a lot of people that still have your back you didn't do anything that bad but um Listen, the ESPN people, a little too straight, a little too straight for a wild man like yourself. I will look forward to future NBA analysis from Paul Pierce 10 times more than I ever did before this all this all happened. And Wayne Jones says it was a great career move. I do think that he's going to end up smiling and he could make more money doing sponsored posts on his in- Instagram. Well, that actually does remind me, Remus, if I'm not mistaken, um, Cam Soda, which I believe is a... Yeah, it's a camera site. I think it's adult camera site. I don't know. <laughs> okay, there it is. Yes, adult webcam site extends ex-ESPN employee Paul Pierce offer to stream NBA show with exotic dancers. This is the this is the offer, dear Paul Pierce. I saw the news. You have parted ways with ESPN after you posted a video to social media of yourself with exotic dancers. Being that you are now unemployed, I would like to extend you a position at Cam Soda. As our first ever NBA analyst, 
as our NBA analyst, you would be required to stream yourself live on our platform every weeknight and discuss happenings around the NBA inside the NBA Be Damned. Here at Cam Soda, we champion exotic dancers, cam girls, and sex workers. We would be more than happy to accommodate your pension for women, and you'd be free to stream with them while they twerk in the background and more. We'd be willing to extend you an offer of up to $250,000. So no big sales for the truth. He still has some options out there, um, and I'm sure there's more legitimate ones than being Cam Soda's first NBA analyst. But hey, 250 k is 250 right? Yeah, I mean, naked news was a thing for a while, so I think we're they're trying to get into that, but for NBA analysis. Maybe it could work. I, I don't know, but certainly uh, gave us some fun to talk about. Uh, I guess oh. a, couple, a couple other things before we go. Uh, Taylor Hall uh, not in the lineup tonight. Uh, he's gonna seems like they're gonna they're gonna two goals in thirty four. By the way, yeah. there's a new lock shop up. Check it out before the games. Um, check out our own Twitter. Dustin Nielsen's got the 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 whole bit up. I, I've retweeted it. Um, we talked about this a little bit. It, does anyone really think that there'll be a first round pick on the table for Taylor Hall this year? Unrestricted free agent, two goals on the season. I I I, I can't wrap my head around that. I, I I can't wrap my head around that. So I mean, the price might be quite low. Um, it will be interesting to see if he's dealt and what Buffalo can get back. And honestly, I kind of thought, man, $8 million on a one-year deal, no matter what happens with the Sabres, they'll be in a great position to trade him at the deadline. Man, it's uh, certainly not. And I mean, what does he do? Like, what offers are there for him in free agency next year? Last year, it was because of the pandemic, they said. Well, this year, you've got a pandemic and one of the most hideous seasons in recent NHL history by a team and an $8 million player. Yeah, I think next year maybe he'll do the opposite. Take instead of taking an expensive deal on the worst team in the league, maybe take a cheap deal on the best team. So then you can actually play with some good players and score some goals and bring up your value. Maybe I don't know, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Like maybe Colorado falls short and they sign him to like a he takes like a cheap a cheap deal. I'm just throwing, you know, that out. I have no I have no idea. We'll see what kind of money is going to be in free agency. We're not really sure about the cap and, um, you know, the pandemic as well. Can they have fans? There's no $8 million deals for Taylor Hall next year. No, definitely And there's no long-term deals, I think, for Taylor Hall next year unless he signs a very uh, team-friendly deal. Uh, I saw someone said, well, if the Leafs can turn around Galchenyuk, just imagine what they'll do with Hall. Uh, is Galchenyuk fixed? (laughs) Is that that it? He's got, what, a goal? Fix Jack Campbell, fix Galchenyuk. (laughs) They got it's all the, the miracle tro- worker that Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe. I actually agree. They got all the Toronto guys: Tavares, Spezza, Thornton, Simmons. Just add Taylor Hall, another Ontario guy. Add him to the list. He'll take a min salary deal, help out the Leafs, finally deliver that cup, and then get the big deal after. <laughs> get him over that first round hump. I actually like that. That's a good plan. Uh, just some great stuff in the chat here, Marshall yeah. Patterson. Where is he going in your mind? Now I. Are we talking about Paul Pierce? I think potentially Cam Soda, maybe Barstool Sports. <laughs> yeah, um, but if we're, if, if we're talking about Taylor Hall, um, I really don't know. I, I speculated the Islanders might be an interesting fit. You know, they've lost Lee for an extended period of time. Very important player on that team. Um, you know, I think Hall would go in. He would be on a team that doesn't really, like they could use his offense. If there's any left, there certainly wasn't any in Buffalo this year. 
Um, but that's a team that, you know, will play. Barry Trotz, this team is not going to change because Taylor Hall is there. I um, mean, he'll need to buy in. If he does, it might be a great opportunity for him. And he certainly wouldn't, uh, you know, he's staying in the same state, albeit going from upstate now to, uh, to, to the city. And then Stonewall Dave, <laughs> this is my favorite quote of the day. I don't know. Remus tacks on the end of clearly demonstrating he knows random adult cam website. <laughs> I just, I, 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 don't, I don't know that one. Come on. <laughs> oh, and Mitch Bobson, Frank Cervelli lists Savard Manson, Alexiak Montour, Zadarov as potential Jets targets. Again, uh, it's a perfect segue as we finish up the show, Reem, because tomorrow, first guest on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is going to be Frank. We'll discuss the Trade Center board, the latest he's hearing from around the league, what Kevin Sheveldoff may or may not do, and what he's hearing that the cost might be for some of these players that could be finding their way to the Winnipeg Jet Blue Line. Yeah, and I texted Frank. I said, Frank, I know we didn't have the video the first time, but will you come back, please? We got the video. We've done this for a month now. Uh, we've got bigger, bigger camera boxes here on the screen. We're all set for you now. It was just, it was just, you know, we didn't know what we were doing the first week. Now we're getting to the swing of things. And he said instantly that he would be happy to come on. So we thank Frank. And he does have the official, uh, trade bait list. And, uh, I was reading Murat in the athletic. He listed a number of guys as well. Uh, though I think he had the similar name. So we'll see. I don't, the Jets usually don't get the top guy on the list. So I'm kind of curious, uh, who they're going to get. Well, I mean, the, the big. I, I'm curious as to how different this deadline is going to be from so many others that we have seen in the past. I mean, I'm not sure that the value of a first-round pick this year is the same as it is in a normal year. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that have more financial concerns um, than they normally do. So, anyways, it, uh, it's going to be a real fun few days. We'll have a big special show on Monday. Hopefully, have a few of the guys coming in both before and after the trade deadline. Um, so we'll just keep it going here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, everyone. Thanks so much for being with us. Again, make sure to hit that like button. Let's get that to 200 by the time we're uh, we're all finished here. We're at 189 right now. And um, uh, the bullet, I think this might be at Stonewall Dave for his comment about you clearly knowing the adult cams. Tisk tisk. Kink shaming. That's uh First time we've ever heard that one on the program, Ray. Yeah, that's exactly. You can't shame anyone. Like, you number shamed last week, uh, Logan Stanley. Well, I was glasses shamed as well by Gary Lawless uh, yeah. a little while ago. So, so there, we're trying to eliminate. We're trying to come together as a Winnipeg sports community here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. So um, no kink shaming of Remus. No number shaming <laughs> anymore of Logan Stanley. And please don't glasses shame me. People are going to like uh, what they like. And I think you got to let him let him do that. Uh, but before we go, we do need to say one thing. Hassa, uh, three years ago today, uh, the Humboldt Broncos uh, bus crash. A number of amazing tributes uh, going across social media. I know uh, Brian Munns voiced a video that the Broncos tweeted out in Hockey Canada. Tweeted out, sounds like they're going to make some uh, incredible memorial near the arena site that's going to have a hockey rink, a physio. Uh, so you never forget any of the names uh, of the players uh, who passed on. And, of course, you know, trainers, coaching, you know, whoever whoever's involved in that uh, horrific uh, bus crash. So very, very yeah. tragic event. And, I mean, you get chills uh, remembering where you were uh, when it happened, the outpouring of support that happened after. No, 100%. That Friday night was um, was a night most of us, I think, will never forget. One of the darkest days, um, you know, in 
you know, and I will put that up in, in Canadian sports history, and it's far more than a sports story. It's a story of a community and so many young people losing their lives. Um, and that memorial will will be incredible. Then I'll always remember uh, the next day, final day of the regular season, uh, the Jets playing the Chicago Blackhawks, the jerseys, the way the teams came together. Uh, but yeah, none of those young men will ever be forgotten, and their legacy will live uh, live a long, long time. Glad you brought that up, Reem. Uh, yeah. Well, one final night, uh, one final note. We got to give a shout out to Sam the Oil Can. Yes, Sam the Oil Can, the champion. Thanks to the Baylor Bears winning the March Madness last night. I was out really after Week One, so uh, or Game One when Purdue lost to North Texas as my winner. Um, but Sam rolled it. Uh, there were some other guys that were going to win if Gonzaga won, but Baylor just absolutely clowned Gonzaga, undefeated going into last night's game. They were big underdogs, four and a half points against the spread, big money line dogs. They won. Sam's a winner. We're going to hook uh, Sam up with some nice stuff from uh, some of our sponsors. So I just wanted to give him a public congratulations and shout out as we finish the program. Wow, we've gone way long. Yeah. We do need to get these podcasts up. So we got to be out. Enjoy those blizzards today, folks. Remember, DQ Niverville, Polo Park, St. Anne's, and DQ Northgate. Those are the Nick and Nicky DQs. Mention Winnipeg Sports Talk at any of them at any point today and get a second blizzard for 99 cents when you buy your first one. Now, Remo, great show. Frank Saravelli tomorrow. Feinberg with our finals master's picks. It's going to be a great one. But uh, today was awesome, too. Let's just get yeah. those pods up and yeah. uh, thank everyone for listening. Super fun. It's been fun just sitting here the last, like, 30 minutes uh, answering questions in the chat. There's one we didn't get to about uh, Brady Kachuk uh, elbowing, uh, elbowing Blake Wheeler. We can get to that tomorrow. But uh, this has been so fun, and i got to get the podcast up after. So if you are still here, please uh, hit the like button and uh, subscribe. We're at 3,500 uh, YouTube subscribers. Uh, pretty incredible in, uh, in a month. So uh, thank you again, everyone, uh, for your support. Oh, nice. And we're at the, up to 199 on the likes, too. So if anyone that's still hanging around in the chat hasn't done it, hit that thumbs up. We'll get to two bills for the day. All right, that's going to do it. Frank Saravelli tomorrow. Feinberg with our final Masters picks. More on the Jets as they head to Montreal. Folks, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Once again, thanks to Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQs. Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and the Cool Bet lines of the day will be up shortly on our uh, Twitter feed at Sports Talk WPG. And while you're at it, follow on Twitter and certainly give us a follow on Instagram. We're trying to grow that. It's the same account at Sports Talk WPG. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock live on YouTube in your podcast feed a little later on. Have a great night, everyone, and thanks for hanging out with us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.